Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra as always with James from Gunnerblog. James, good morning to you. Good morning, Andrew. How you doing? I'm all right. It's raining. Wallet or no wallet? No wallet. Have you given up now? Mm-hmm. Cancelled the cards? I have cancelled the cards, yeah. yeah. Have you to put posters up? Have you seen this wallet? <laughs> Much loved wallet. Last known whereabouts. Goes by the name of yeah. Wally. No, I didn't. I mean, I, I looked everywhere. I looked everywhere. You know, at some point... I'm going to lift something up in the house or, you know, look behind something and there it will be. I know it's somewhere just stupid, but I had to sort of live and buy things with my bank card, which, you know. Like any grief, eventually you have to move on. I think I've moved on. I think I've moved on. I've uh, replaced the cards. I don't have a new wallet yet. I'll have to get a, uh, a new wallet, get one of those tags. You know, where's my wallet? What do they call mm. them? Air tags. What's happening at the moment then? Just sort of, just a pocket full of loose credit cards. Yeah, I actually need to. <laughs> oh God, Andrew, it's stressing me out. No, I need to put them all together because I've got my. Yeah, I've got one bank card in my in the pocket of my shorts here. I've got one on the desk in front of me. There's another one downstairs, so I do have to collect what them all together. Wrong? What could go wrong, indeed? But look, it is what it is. I've moved on. I've moved on. I've accepted my carelessness. And we start a new era with a new wallet uh, as soon as I can get out and buy one. Are you ready for a brilliant segue? Yes. So the segue is this. Perhaps Arsenal have lost their wallet and that's why we still haven't bought those players that, we, that we're going to buy. Yeah, they only have loose credit cards they, and they don't they have the... They've just got loose credit cards and they put them in their shorts and now they're wearing trousers yeah and they don't know which trousers the the card is in years in the podcast game is what gets you a segue like that the smoothness the pivot yes the transition amazing where Thank are the you. players james i know i don't know where are I they mad- it does it, it it's beginning to feel sort of personal like i feel like every time i record the podcast it's and in, in anticipation of something mm. before it's actually happened they probably wait until you press publish i think and then yeah. start announcing stuff that's probably it we did i did notice somebody say uh, i can't remember if it was on the discord or if it was on um twitter but somebody had asked ah here it is jwatt 17 on the discord how does it feel knowing you're going to release this episode around lunchtime and the rice announcement is going to happen a few hours later? <laughs> I mean, maybe it will. I think if we're, we should go on strike, maybe. 
refuse to podcast until the players are announced. Hold the club to ransom. Absolutely. I mean, it will be a very effective strike because at some point those players will be announced and we can just swoop in claiming all the glory. Look what we did. We made these deals happen. Forget Edu. Forget Richard Garlick. Forget whoever else is doing things, important paperwork and legal formalities. It's down to us entirely that we have signed Declan Rice and and Urian Timber. We are the heroes. Should we just stop now then and just... Yeah. Or or just record like 90 minutes of silence. That would be a real, real hard-hitting protest. It would be. Um, Probably not great for the podcast, though. I'm doing it right now, sorry. Oh, I see. Sorry, I didn't realise. I mean, we had a question (laughs) to this effect, Andrew. Okay. Uh, About from Aaron7763 on the Discord. Goodly evening, gents. He posted it last night. Let's do this, good man. Let's do it. I see a lot of fans online, a.k.a. on Twitter and threads. Am I right? No, I'm not on threads. Well, the day is young. So anyway, I see a lot of fans online frustrated with how long Arsenal take to announce deals once we know the contracts are all signed. Do you think it's a fair criticism and that they're dragging their heels? Personally, I prefer the club's approach where we effectively know the deals are done via Ornstein, etc. But each player signing or new contract gets a full day in the spotlight with all the social media clips and interviews, etc. ready to go. I mean, I guess there probably is something about that side of it, the content side of things, because it's an important aspect of, you know, how clubs operate these days, isn't it? You know, you've got to have your your online presence on the World Wide Web, you know, your AOL homepage, so to speak, and everyone is, is keen to, um, you know, get their own GeoCity site up as as successfully as they can. But look, I think it's more to do with probably the formalities and legalities behind the scenes. Like I know there's been loads of examples down the years of how we all know a deal has been done. It is basically, you know, all agreed, everything's hunky-dory, but there's a slight holdup because, you know, paperwork. Like, for example, the Havertz one, the delay in announcing that, I believe, was because Chelsea didn't send back some important paperwork. Because they were too busy trying to sell all their players to Saudi Arabian clubs, so yeah. they were a bit. Um, you know, we were at the at the mercy, if that's how you put it, uh, of Chelsea of the other clubs. So, I, I do think it's probably more to do with uh, making sure that everything, every single thing, is signed, sealed, and delivered before they make the announcements. Yes, I think that's a big part of it. I'm sure the, the the sort of communications aspect is a consideration as well, just in terms of the the timing, yeah. because so much of these transfer sagas is kind of played out without the club really having an official voice in it. You know, it's incrementally reported by a multitude of people, but the actual announcement, the guy in the shirt doing his interviews, quotes from Edu and Arteta, like that's the bit that the club get to own. Um, and so I think probably there is quite a lot of emphasis placed on that. Mm. And I don't think it's coincidence that last week, for example, I think I'm right saying, you know, Reese Nelson signed his contract one day, William Saliba the next. I think even if they'd signed them the same day, they probably would have spread those announcements out. Just sure. So, you know, it's it just sort of, it's content planning, basically. Yeah. But 
but yeah, I, I think with these deals, there have genuinely been sort of minutiae to attend to. Um, and while like 99.9% of the deal is done, I'm not, I can't even say with confidence right now that they're 100% done. I think there might still be administrative hoops to jump through. So, mm. uh, yeah, I don't think it's just a case of the club stalling for time. I think these these genuinely did t- take a while to get to completion. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it that a deal worth £105 million can't be just sort of wrapped up in a informal way over a cup of coffee or something. Yeah, why don't they just write a big, like an IOU on a, on like a post-it or something? Just yeah. give that to West Ham. Yeah, napkin. That's how all the best deals are done, you know, back of a napkin. <laughs> Just Richard Garlic. Yeah. Smoothly, you know, writing something in biro on a napkin, <laughs> pushing it into Karen Brady's face. There you go. There you go. Now we're we're doing an announcement on our website. You can't stop us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I we will get those announcements this week. Um I can do you know what? Even as I said this week, I felt the 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 people on Twitter uh, sort of becoming enraged. Um, what about the people on threads? Do they get enraged? We we, we can't have threads here because of um, some EU regulations around data privacy. They have chosen not to launch threads in the EU, even though we already have Instagram and you have to um, connect your Instagram account to your threads account, I believe. Yeah, it actually, you kind of bind them together uh mm. to the extent that I, I i gather that if you delete your threads account you also delete your instagram account they are kind of um symbiotic in that way right yeah. i just went on threads just to get my username basically but if it's connected to your instagram account does that not mean that someone else can't take it yeah don't know don't know either i didn't hang around to find out andrew just swooped in I don't want to be impersonated on threads. Um, yeah, I don't know about the people on threads. I think they are probably like just more chilled out, aren't they, than the people on Twitter? Mm. But everyone is. Yeah, I think that's true. So let's talk about a couple of, th- uh, of the things that have happened since last we spoke. You mentioned yeah. new contracts for Reese Nelson and William Saliba. And I think the latter is certainly one that people will be delighted with because, you know, we all understood that when a player has a year left on his contract and he's as good a player as William Saliba, there will be overtures from elsewhere trying to tempt him to, you know, either make a move this summer because Arsenal might be forced into selling because you can't let a a player like that go for free or, um, you know, hang around and just see out your deal and look what we'll give you next year if you join us on a free. So it's a it's a it's a great um deal for Arsenal. I think it's a great deal for the player as well. I think he's we've spoken about how happy he appears to be and all the rest of it. But it is, you know, when you consider what um what we've needed to do with some of the players that we've got, ensuring that their their long term futures are secured, this was a big one. Massive, yeah. I mean I'm not sure who you would rather have as a young central defender in the squad from world football. You know, Man City are looking at bringing in uh, Josko Gvardiol, Croatian centre-back. He's 21, Mm. looking at, I think, 100 million euros 
for someone of that caliber. I think Saliba would justifiably have a similar price tag given his ability, his potential. Um, I think it's, you know, he actually, the signing of Saliba comes from an era which we don't look on particularly fondly. No, Um, it's true. But, and it was a huge sort of gamble. I think it's always a gamble to spend as much money as we did, 30 million euros or so on a, a teenager at the time and mm-hmm. he, he you know he didn't play for arsenal for a good few years but yeah ultimately in the long term it has worked out and he he does seem to be um happy enough here he seemed very smiley signing his contract uh Mikel Arteta, um well what did he say well done willie congratulations willie <laughs> it was it was amusing whatever it was and yeah. uh yeah I, i'm i'm just delighted that it's signed and sealed and i hope he's fit that's the only sort of outstanding thing really is how fit is he how's that back holding up true i mean he seems to be training in in good shape and all the rest of it so you know one of the things we've wanted to uh, to do this summer is have a big willy extension and that's that's very much what we've got um reese nelson another one of course um, and he's been the, the subject of some discussion, but I thought it was really, really interesting when he talked about, you know, why he wanted to stay and, you know, the, the sense that this is a club going place is that he has seen some good times and, and bad times at Arsenal, but this is a, a very good time. And, you know, we had the discussion, you know, could he play more if he went somewhere else? And I think he probably could, but he did not want to leave. Arsenal, a club he's been at since the age of eight, at a time when everything feels really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was just interesting motivation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it tells you a bit about where Arsenal are at this point in time. But I think I think as well, he, he's showing... It's tricky, isn't it? Because he, he, had, he could have gone somewhere else and maybe played more regularly. But to a certain extent, he's backing himself here. Mm-hmm. You know, he must have been told something by the manager that makes him think, I'm going to get my chance to play. I'm going to get opportunities. Um, and Arteta's quotes were interesting as well, where he sort of said, Reese is someone who impressed me from day one. Mm. And he's always been a huge advocate for his talent. Uh, I... I remember Reese being in the squad under Arsene Wenger and sort of wowing everyone on what was the open day that they used to have at the yeah. stadium where you used to go and watch people train and Nelson a... scored this audacious goal where he kind of flicked it over the goalkeeper yeah. from close range and just being so excited about that level of talent. There've been a lot of reasons that we've not seen it consistently in an Arsenal shirt as yet. Um, I'd love, I'd love it if it worked out for him. I think generally, if players are going to really get to the top level, they've made more of an impression at their club than Nelson has by this age. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the, there aren't huge precedents for someone sort of hitting 23, 24, and then suddenly delivering on their potential. But Arteta must believe that it's possible, or I don't think Arsenal would have done this deal. I think that's true. He doesn't give out new contracts on a whim, you know, and he knows that he needs a squad that's going to be deeper and and more robust next season. So uh, it will be interesting to see how he's used and how often he's used. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think he started a game last season, did he? Uh, certainly not in the Premier League. Um, 
despite a lot of substitute appearances, I think he, you know, he only only ended up with something like 500 minutes over the course of of the season. So, you know, the 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 onus is on him to to improve that and to to fight for a place and and hopefully he can hopefully he can deliver. What else? We played a game, played a behind it. closed doors game. Did you see any of that? Arsenal won, Watford won. I didn't watch it. No, I think they made highlights available. They did, um, and I didn't watch them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you want my sort of five-second... Yes, um, of course, please. ...analysis? We went behind uh, to a rebound. I think Arthur Aquanko was in goal, made a decent save, and some Watford players stabbed home the rebound. Marquinhos got the equaliser mm. um, with a finish at the far post after a move down the right-hand side. He was playing on the left. Um, honestly, difficult to take too much away from it, but interesting to see who was involved. And um, Leandro Trossard took a free kick like Ronaldo. That's the main thing I noticed. He did one of those, you know, <laughs> punt the... Ball over the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he, you know, where they, what do they call it? Knuckleball. Knuckleball. Yeah. You don't have kick. knuckles on your feet, do you? Leandro Trossard does. Do you have no, what? What I you mean, do have knuckles on your feet? Do you not? Do they call them each of my toes? Foot knuckles, two knuckles on it. Yeah, and then they articulate. Mine articulate at those points, but I don't think everyone's do. What does that mean? They bend. They bend. Like don't, I can scrunch them up. Don't most people's feet bend? Some most people's. Some don't. I'm not a toe expert, but I've just met people who whose toes are functionally useless. I what? guess they're sort of further evolved than the likes of you and me. Hang on, they just have straight toes that don't bend? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Are they? Can they jump higher than us, for example? They have cosmetic knuckles, yeah, but not really functional knuckles. But what's the practical... Uh, well, the thing is, we don't need those knuckles anymore because we walk on to up, upright. Right. Is this, is this true? I think we've... This could be the strangest tangent we've ever gone off on. <laughs> <laughs> Where did it start? Leandro Trossard taking free kicks, knuckleball style, yeah. quite well. Right. Keep your eye on that next season is what I'm saying. Um, but other than that, no. Arsenal failed to beat Championship Watford, Arteta out, etc. Yeah. So the players are uh, off to Germany or they've gone to Germany. They've, been, they've fled to Germany. They have fled to Germany in shame after drawing 1-1. Yeah. There were people on Twitter and outside the ground, outside the training ground, ready to give them what for, but they, they escaped. Let me ask you this. You know the way they're going to Germany for a week mm. or thereabouts in a training camp. Why do all the players bring an individual suitcase onto the plane they all have their little black suitcases that go in the overhead compartments wouldn't they have a bigger suitcase to carry all the rest of their shit that they just put in the the hold of the plane why do they all need one of those as well surely they've got the bigger suitcase already and that's that's in the that's in the hold that's it yeah so why don't they just the have like a little backpack or something Shivering rather than hold yeah yeah, I don't know. Are they all identical briefcases? I don't know. It, are they club issued? Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. I suspect there's probably some sort of 
lucrative commercial partnership with a suitcase manufacturer. Samsonite or or yeah, exactly. Joe's suitcases. I imagine that's behind this. But yeah, they're on they're okay. on the they've gone. They're gone. They've gone. Kai Havertz was on the plane, I believe. Saw that. I did see that. Saw some pictures of Kai Havertz. You know, he had uh, lots of leg room. Yeah, he's a big boy. Six foot four. Six foot four. Same height as William Saliba. Apparently. But he's the same height as Saliba. So he's the joint tallest. But he's thinner, so he looks taller. That's how it works, all right. Yeah. Yeah. He's 28 until he's 29. (laughs) Um, He's six foot four Four until he's six foot five. Six foot five. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, we might see him potentially. He's not done a whole ton of training, but chance he could be involved. When's the game? Thursday. Thursday. Ages away. He'll be ready. Against FC Nuremberg. He's got three days to learn how to play left eight. I mean, that's that's just as simple as getting a £105 million deal done on the back of a napkin. Mikel Arteta has written some tactical instructions on a napkin. Here you go, Kai. On the flight. Yeah. Giving it to Kai with his in-flight meal. See you Thursday. Be up to speed. Be up to speed. I want to see your best Granite Shacker impression. Did I tell you my... I, I put it in the Discord. I had the strangest dream the other night. Go on. About... I was playing football for a Pep Guardiola team. And Ugh. I missed the first preseason game. But everyone was telling me now, you know, to play centre half, you have to you have to operate in midfield, which is obviously some kind of, like... Zinchenko-esque type thing, but we were sure, playing John against. Kind of we were playing against Manchester City under twenty ones, who were all enormous, and they all wore uniforms, suits like the Imperial Army in Star Wars. And we got to the ground. Uh, our our bus came along. And we got to the ground, and Pep Guardiola. Uh, it turns out is an ancient monk of some kind, and he had to be released from his sarcophagus when we got to the ground mm. and he insisted that I put ferns between his toes on one foot. <laughs> and he said something to me in a language I did not know, but fully understood. Yeah. And you were the goalkeeper. No way. You were the goalkeeper of this team. But then you called Pep Guardiola mum, and everybody started laughing and you ran off. And you were saying, I'm just confused because I just spoke to my mom because I, I just told her I finished my new book. And yeah. everyone was quite mean. I wasn't, but other people were mean. And uh, yeah, that What's was it. Weird is none of that was included in the Man City All or Nothing documentary. No. The monk thing, I'm pretty sure, is real, to be honest. Yeah, and the ferns between the toes. Yeah. Only on one foot. Only on one foot. That feels very pep, doesn't it? Definitely some weird stuff goes on in that dressing room, I would say. Cultish. Yeah. So I I was only reminded. Stuff like that. (laughs) I was reminded of that, of course, you know, by the instructions that that, uh, Arteta would be giving Kai Havertz. It was the same, you know, in in my dream. The instructions of how to play centre half these days. Well, Kai Havertz in. Mm -hmm. Granite Shaka out. That has happened. He's gone. He's gone. He's now a, a Bayer Leverkusen player. Yes. For an amount of money. A good amount, which should keep you happy, I think. <sighs> yes. I mean, I will say that that number is a bit disputed in Germany. Um, if you read the German reports, it's a lower number. So I think there's probably a bit of a 
there's a kind of fog of war around it. I, you know, I think probably, as we kind of said last week, there are add-ons that mm. may or may not be triggered. Let me it. ask you this then. We had a question from Elmo Sled on the Discord. And he said, goodly morning. The price Leverkusen ultimately paid for Xhaka seemed to rise dramatically at the end. Do you think this means earlier reporting of the fee was wrong? Or do you think mm. Arsenal told them the deal was on the verge of collapse because they could not afford West Ham's asking price for Declan Rice and talk Leverkusen into helping fund the gap in order to secure Shaka? He said if it was the latter, that was quite the move by Edu and his team. But do you think Arsenal played a little bit of hardball on this one? or, or well, the, the 25 million figure, 25 million euros, is what Arsenal wanted mm-hmm. from the start. Um, and Leverkusen for a long time were about 10 million euros below that, about 15 million. Um, and that was one of the factors that made the deal take so long. I think as well, the ongoing pursuit of Declan Rice was also a, a consideration. Arsenal wanted to make sure they had somebody in before they let Shaka go. How exactly that gap got closed, uh, I don't know. And I suspect... Um, there may be a bit of discrepancy on each side about like what the eventual final fee will be. But clearly, Arsenal did get Leverkusen to move to some extent to get them close to what they wanted. Um, add-ons, do you think? Add-ons, yeah, I suspect so. Maybe, this is complete guesswork from me, but maybe there was some sort of loyalty bonus due to Shaka that might have got waived. Do you know what I mean? There are other ways of Arsenal effectively yeah. saving money in a deal that may not have been part of the fee. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if something like that was relevant right. in this situation. But, you know, clearly Arsenal feel they've come out of it with a, a decent valuation of the player. Uh, he's got his move. I saw the Leverkusen tweet. He's here and he's perfect. Um, I'm not sure despite his redemption at Arsenal I didn't hear many Arsenal fans describe him as perfect so I I hope he'll be it's a good job it's a good job they haven't set the bar too high straight away for for Granite you know Um, yeah can can I say by the way Arsenal put out a piece of content um, well as we predicted there would be you know several bits of content around Granite's departure mm. Um, but one was just his goals and assists for Arsenal over his Sure. Uh, five years or whatever it's been. He scored some amazing goals for Arsenal. He did all right, yeah. And and I think, like, because of all the debate around the player, weirdly, I think that was sort of occasionally obscured, but there were just some brilliant, brilliant goals, like a few free kicks and stuff. Obviously, there was that amazing one at Selhurst Park, but one or two others, one against Chelsea... Just some absolute humdingers of goals. Um, Wasn't his first goal like a 35-yard screamer into yeah. the top corner against Watford or, yeah, somebody, I don't, can't remember. Yeah, it, it, anyway, seek it out. It is a brilliant video um, and demonstrates quite what a left foot he did have on him. And I just found it odd sort of watching it and thinking, wow, we've talked so much about this player and yet, when you run all these clips together, there's kind of an aspect of him that probably probably hasn't been that widely discussed, that he just scored some brilliant, brilliant goals. Yeah, he did. He really did. He does have a, a cracker of a left foot when he when he hits it right, you know? The signs um, were there all along that Granite was really a mm, goal scorer, not a destroyer. He's there and he's imperfect. <laughs> um, no, I hope it goes well. I mean, it is, um, it is uh, 
you know, we've had the discussion about, you know, what a redemption it is and, and all the rest of it, but it's just, it's a good story. It is a good story. And I hope he, he has a good time there. Um, 31 in September. So mm, the time is, is his, right. This is his move now, you know, for the remainder of his time at the top, most probably. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the, we had another question, which is kind of relevant to this. Um, Rian on the Discord said, what extent do you think, or to what extent, do you think uh, how a player leaves the club plays a part in how they're remembered? I also think moving abroad is quite advantageous here. Think Shaka versus Koscielny, Monreal versus Sanya, Ramsey versus Sesk. Even cult heroes like Chesney and Bellerin kind of just disappeared. Is there a good way to leave a football club if you're still at the top of your game? I don't think there is really. It's football's a bit like politics, right? Like it's very hard to leave on the good foot. Mm. Um, and had Granite Shaka left on any of the previous occasions that we thought he might, I, I don't know if his standing would be quite what it is now. Um, it is difficult to kind of stage manage those exits. I think he's pretty much pretty much managed it. Mm. Um, but a lot of those names you list there, their legacy is, I'm not going to say sort of like irreparably damaged, but it's a little bit um, sort of tarred by mm. the nature of their exit, isn't it? I mean, Sanya left on a free transfer. You know, at the end of his contract, he left and went to Manchester City. So, you yeah. know, that, that annoyed people. I don't remember people having too many grievances about that at the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember a little bit of grumbling. Um, the Koscielny thing is, is a weird situation, and I'm sure there's a story there that we're not fully aware of. Yeah. You know, for a guy who was as professional as he was throughout his time at Arsenal to depart in that way suggests to me that there was something, there was some shenanigans behind the scenes. And yeah. whether he comes out and tells his side of that story or not, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Ramsey I did think Seth. the shirt thing was overblown. I am going to say that much. The Oh, his announcement, at, at, was it Bordeaux? Yeah, yeah. He took off an Arsenal shirt and had a Bordeaux underneath. People were very upset about Don't, that. You can't disrespect the shirt. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm not sure how disrespectful it was. Did he, take but it did he... I don't think it was the fact that he took it off. I think it was the fact that he threw it on the ground, um, set it on fire, and then shit on it. I think that's what really right. got people. I must have watched the yeah. shorter edit. Yeah. I got the Christopher Nolan edit of that. Okay. That does make more sense. Three hours long it was. Couldn't hear a thing. <laughs> um, Who else? I mean, uh, obviously, like a, a Alexis Ozil had slightly difficult exits. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even if he'd left last summer, Shaka, I don't think it would have been the same. People would have gone, yeah, he was pretty good. Well done to him, blah, blah, blah. I think this season really solidified the the sort of rebirth of affection for Granit Xhaka. You the know? thing is, it's it's something a lot of footballers don't think about during their playing career because when you're in your 20s, um, as as we both were once upon a time, mm -hmm. you kind of think, well, while you're uh, intellectually aware that your playing career will end within a decade or so, you don't feel like that. You know, you're very much 
I'm generalizing here, but you're, you're often sort of living in the moment. You're like, this is what I want right now. I mm-hmm. want to make this move right now. But if you can somehow kind of stage manage that exit, if you can leave on good terms, in the remaining 40, 50 years, whatever it might be, of your life after retirement, I think that can be really valuable. So Granit Xhaka, whatever he does in the remainder of his playing career, once he hangs up his boots, he will have a place in Arsenal that he can turn up at any time and probably walk out in front of 60,000 people, get a very warm ovation, be made to feel like he's part of something. Mm. And, And I genuinely think that the players who have that it serves them very well in retirement. I think it brings them a great deal of sort of pride and comfort and sometimes even opportunities professionally. Um, So I think it will really benefit him. And I think players should maybe, or people advising players could be maybe a bit more mindful of that. But I guess the sums of money involved in transfers are just so vast that no one really... He's bothered about any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody, nobody wants to be a villain, do they? Really? Some people don't care, I guess. Some people genuinely don't care. They just wouldn't I mean, give the a one, shit. The it's a I job. I always think of is, and it's not entirely his fault, but I can't help but think of Ober, you know, f- from where he went, where he was mm. when he designed the contract, he was given the sort of on-pitch interview with Ian Wright treatment. Yeah walking around the Emirates Stadium turf, talking about feeling at home. I don't think he'll ever get that back. And, you know, quite what happened between him and Mikel Arteta is is up for debate because it's between two people. But it is sort of sad that players have that connection and it can be lost so easily. Yeah, I mean, there was the the clip wasn't there at the start of the home game against Chelsea last season where he's looking around and North yeah. London forever is blasting out and 60,000 people are at one and fully behind the team. And he's, you can just sort of see in his eyes going, fuck. Yes. That, that was quite a haunting mm. clip. That's um, where, that's where they should have put in the, the incredible Hulk music, you know? <laughs> yeah. The walking away, sad music. Yeah. You know, just that, Fade down North London forever. And um, yeah, that that music would have fit perfectly in there. So Yeah, I I just think it's something that during players' careers that I wish they would sometimes stop and think, you know, the decisions I make now, while they, I'm probably going to be very rich, whatever happens. Mm. The decisions I make now can sort of determine the kind of life and the kind of relationships I will have for the majority of my life once I'm retired. Yeah. Um, but I, I understand why that doesn't happen. But I think Shaka's fortuitous. He, he is somehow in a position where he's always going to be welcome at Arsenal. And wow, that did not feel like it was always going to be. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Hulk music for Shaka, an umpa band when he returns uh, to Arsenal. Um, some people are going slash gone Steve Round is gone yes that was a bit of a surprise it was it was he was you know one of Mikel's first two appointments along with Albert Stubenberg Um, someone who's been a really valued 
uh, I don't know if mentor is, is the right word, but certainly kind of an experienced head in the dressing room and someone who, you know, I think Albert is much more tactically minded and Steve Round, a lot of his work had been on sort of dressing, uh, dressing room and training ground culture. I know that's something he was really, really passionate about um, and something where Arsenal have had a bit of a transformation. So mm. presumably some good work was done there, but a bit of a surprise to see him go. Gary O'Driscoll as well on his way to Manchester United. Yes, yes. Um, I believe that's, you know, uh, more of a, a personal decision. So sure, he can be, be near his family and closer like to family. Um, but obviously, you know, man's got to earn a living and everything else. Um, but Very very nearly joined Liverpool um, yeah. right at the start of Arteta's reign. And Arteta, a bit like with Shaka, sort of talked him round. Mm. Um, and a bit like the Shaka, he's kind of said, yeah, you've done your time. You've honoured your agreement. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Move on. And Always a very nice guy. I used to occasionally bump into him at the, the hotel where the team stays, which is uh, when I come to London, that's kind of where I stay most of the time. Sure. And uh, Bunking he, up with Mikel. I yeah. I mean, that's it. That's it. Um, but keep that to yourself. Um you'd sort of see him in the lobby and he was always happy to uh, have a quick word and a chat um, without going into, you know, too much top secret detail on anything. He was just um, a nice, a nice guy to talk to. So I wish him all the best uh, on a personal level at a club where, you know, I hope uh, he's very busy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope his competence deserts him. Um, now that he's going to be working at Manchester United. Uh, I think there are going to be a couple more changes behind the scenes, but to be honest, not things that you read in the news. But I think there is a bit of turnover um, at the training ground in sort of various roles. And I- I'm sure that it's probably partly deliberate. I, mm-hmm. I-, I imagine that... You know, we spoke about Mikel's ruthlessness with the playing squad. I'm not saying that Steve Round or club doctor Gary Driscoll have not done well in their jobs, but maybe he feels that the, it's a necessary step for evolution, for there to be a bit of change, a bit of friction, a bit of something new. We've seen him mix it up by bringing in younger coaching staff mm-hmm. before, and maybe this is just part of that continuing evolution and drive, you know, moving forward does always mean some degree of change. Yeah, maybe you need to show some of your coaching staff, if you want to keep them, that there's a pathway to maybe a more um, involved role or a more senior role within your coaching staff as well. So that could yeah, be... Yeah, that's very plausible. That, that is very be... plausible. Because Arsenal have got some bright young minds on that yeah. staff who, you know, probably are thinking, I want to be a manager one day. What's the next step for me? Well, in doing this, maybe you sort of create that opportunity. And mm. I, as for Steve Round, I think we will see him again somewhere. I think, to be honest, he while he was coaching at Arsenal, really, he sees himself as more of a sort of technical director, sporting director figure, which is sort of the job he did at Aston Villa. Mm. Um, so part of me wonders if he's looking at it and thinking, well, my stock's pretty good right now, given... Yeah all the changes that have happened at Arsenal and how highly regarded Mikel is, maybe this is a a good opportunity for him to step away and move into a role that 
Yeah, I think he sees more of his long-term future. That may make that makes sense. All right, yeah. So um, yeah, good he's luck to him. Failed to displace Edu is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Edu's pretty safe for the moment, anyway. Yeah. Um, Emil Smith Rowe, European yes, Emilovic, Emilovic, um, European Under Twenty One Championship winner with England. Yeah, there's there's a great video actually. Uh, have you seen it? Of the, there's like a social media video from the full time reaction of of Emil running onto the pitch celebrating with all the rest of the. Um, no, players. I haven't seen that one. Oh, it's good. I mean, like, I think sometimes we, because sort of youth international football is not necessarily like something that generates the most fan interest. I think we forget what it means to those players that in that age group, they are European champions. It's huge for them. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think I'm right in saying that Emil now has um, World Cup and European medals at youth level. Wow. Uh, Which is pretty impressive. But yeah, a, a, a great win. And of course, who was the hero? Here we go. Our friend from Cockermouth. Look to the James people Stafford. to the people of Cockermouth. Yeah, I apologise for. It's difficult to find the words when I think of Cockermouth. <laughs> I'm rendered almost speechless, almost unintelligible in what I wish to communicate. Yes, you know, hold my hands up and say, "Look, this young we don't man." Don't need hands. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we apologise to James Trafford. He's a bargain at 19 million. Is that transfer still on? Is he going to go somewhere else now? Will he have a better I don't know. I mean, to be fair to him, I'd sort of, you know, after we had all the fun about him being from Cockermouth, um, I did ask a few people, and he is meant to be very good. Uh, he's 20-year-old. Mm. Did very well on loan at Bolton, I yeah, think. Yeah, Bolton. Um, and seems to be headed to, is it Burnley? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a pretty good track record with goalkeepers um, over the years, but yeah, uh, he was the hero. Made a late double save from a penalty kick in stoppage time. Amazing, amazing! Yeah. And um, England won it. Which, well, yeah, I, I think it's really good for Emil. You know, I, I I was struck by we had a question actually. Um, from somebody, I think I might have it here on the from the Discord from Master Johnbury. Is yeah. that the one? He said, "Do you, do you think Emil Smith Rowe's exploits at the under twenty ones helped or hurt his chances of regular game time this year? On the one hand, his goals and assists showed what he can do, but he'll also miss the beginning of preseason, and we know how important that can be for Arteta teams." I think this is probably given how little competitive football he played. I think this is actually much more valuable to him. I agree. To, do you agree? Yeah. 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 Go and play and, you know, relight your fire a little bit and regain some confidence and some belief and just get competitive minutes under your belt. He had barely any competitive minutes since January. And while he could have come back and done preseason and worked his ass off and, you know, put in the yards and the training sessions and played in the preseason games. I don't think it would be the same as as this sort of competitive environment that he was involved in. This is a, you know, a major tournament, albeit at underage level, but you know, regardless of 
regardless of, of what age group it is, when you're in a tournament like that, you want to win. And so does every other team in that tournament. So to come out on top and be part of that winning team is is going to be hugely beneficial to him. I just I just will be interested to see what he does next. Because, like, he probably deserves a little bit of a break, a little bit of a holiday, which you could understand. But I also think he probably needs to be on the preseason tour of the U.S. as well. Yeah. And I think he probably knows that. I mean, yeah, listen, he, he obviously deserves a break, deserves a rest. But what I want to see, and I'm not saying you know, I'll judge him if he doesn't do it, but I want to see him come back chomping at the bit, mm. you know. I want to see him come back like the Granite Shaka of last summer, who'd had that gauntlet thrown down to him and responded in brilliant fashion. But I've no doubt that playing in a European final at any age group will have done him more good than that one all draw against Watford. Yes. Um, and if you watch that video, uh, I think Arsenal maybe tweeted it. It was the England account originally, but I think Arsenal might have shared it. Um, there is a bit of fire in Emil in those celebrations. You can really see he looks reinvigorated, re-energised. He looks a far cry from the guy we saw slightly uh, shoulder slumped on the touchline. Mm-hmm. The second half of last season. Okay, I think I've just found it here. I'm just watching the end of it. Oh yeah, he's into it in a big way, you know. He sure is. He's got the Ben White shorts thing going on as well. Yeah, riding high on those glistening thighs. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, highlights on point. He lo- he looks like he's enjoying himself. I think it'll be really positive. It should be a real positive for him. And, you know, he's got a lot to do. He's got a lot to prove when he comes back because of what happened last season. You know, I think we all can see the talent and we can all see the potential. But I hope that this preseason, this sort of start of a new season is like a clean slate for him. You know? Me too. Um, Me too. And that he is was involved with some great players well out there, by the yeah. way. I don't know if you saw any of the goals England scored. I did, scored, yeah. Yeah, there was... there was one lovely one where he kind of combined with Morgan Gibbs White yeah. and went down the right hand side and and pulled the ball across for a tap in. I, I mean, yeah. who knows? You know, the right hand side. I don't think it should be ruled out for Emil. The more I think about it, simply because I remember speaking to Steve Cooper, who I think had Emil at kind of maybe under seventeen level with England, and he loved him on the right hand side because he said the timing of his runs diagonal runs inside the fullback was so good um and he really produced end products when he got into those areas so that that's the big question mark with smith Rowe. where's he going to play and i'm so curious to see for him to get back with arsenal and see what arteta might have in mind for him. yeah we actually had a question about that but we might do it in part two because we've got 45 minutes in so okay let's take a little break and we will come back with your questions and more in part two right after this Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two where we answer questions that you sent to us on Twitter at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog, not on threads, but also on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which we get access to if you're an Arsblog member on Patreon. Do you want to go first? I do. Okay. Let's do this. Oh, by the way. Okay. People went to the View Cinemas, didn't they? They did. And they have informed us that Daniel Kaluuya does indeed say, let's do this, in very much that fashion. Do you so, know, I, I feel like people have said this phrase before, but you have, you know, catapulted it now into the public consciousness. It's the it? way I say it. That's you know? it. That's um, it. Anyway. I guess I'm calling out Daniel Kaluuya. Because I guess I'm saying celebrity um, mud wrestling for the rights to let's do this. Let's do this. Live at the Union Chapel next season. I will absolutely fund that event. Great. I will be the promoter. Who's the geezery boxing promoter guy? I'll be that oh, guy. Oh, Eddie Hearn? Yeah. yeah. Nah, he's probably a prick. So I don't want to be him. <laughs> I don't think there's much probably about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know very much about him. Uh, you know enough. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Well, this is relevant to Smith Rowe, this question, kind of. Okay. That's why I want to ask it. So it's Ollie Tucker, who's at OllieTucker93 on Twitter. And Ollie says, morning, gents. What are your hopes and expectations for Fabio Vieira for this upcoming season? What are some of the goals you think he would need to achieve for it to be considered a good season for him? Um, I think, you know, obviously he's got to become a little more effective. Tall and wide. Taller. Uh, why is my mouse stopped? He is going to have to just be a little more involved. I don't think he he's any bigger than he was, you know? I think no. he's always going to be a pretty slight kind of guy. It would be a hell of a gamble if we bought him hoping and believing he would one day be six foot six foot four yeah challenging saliba and havertz we knew Practice the growth potential was in data, there yeah and his potential height ability was six foot four mm. so we paid the big bucks no i i don't think he's he is going to be who he is mm -hmm. and that can be fine you know he had as far as i can tell eight goal involvements last season for Arsenal. 
So that's not bad. He had two goals and six assists. Yeah. Two two assists in the Premier League, two assists in the Europa League, two assists in the FA Cup, and a goal in the Premier League and a goal in the Europa League. So like he was underwhelming, I think, but still managed to um contribute a bit. I think you'd need to see a uh, double that again maybe next season to to suggest that he has been a successful signing. Would that be fair? Is that a lot? So from eight to 16 goal involvements, it is quite a lot, but I guess it depends on on what you do and in what context you, you do it. Um, bang in a few goals, you know, to secure a win here and there, and you start to become perceived anyway as a much more valuable player. Um, if we're expecting Kai Havertz's role um, that he's learnt from the back of a napkin to be slightly tweaked, or maybe slightly liberated from some of the defensive responsibilities Shaka had, certainly you know in his own half. Um, then I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that Vieira may be the sort of natural alternative in that position. Do you think he is? I mean, because we had the the other question that I uh, mentioned at the end of part one was from Gunnar Josh. Mm. On the Discord, he said, where do you see Smith-Rowe and Fabio Vieira fitting in this season? Yeah. Personally, I see Smith-Rowe as the left eight understudy to Havertz and Vieira as the right eight understudy to Odegaard. Ah, well, that's an interesting perspective. Um, I mean... We've we've seen more of Vieira on, in the left. Certainly of late, we have. I mean, he started there a couple of games, didn't he? Um Bournemouth game Bournemouth. and one of the others, but he did also start ahead of Odegaard when Odegaard was, um, I think, injured or unwell for the Brentford game away, and Vieira scored a very, very good goal in that game. Um, I, mean, I mean, really, you'd like him to be able to contribute in in either of those positions. You know, I think they're they're similar enough that he could do that. Mm. It, uh, the reason I think it's relevant to Smith Rowe is partly that they may end up in direct competition. Um, the other is that obviously Fabio Vieira was supposed to be at this European Under Twenty One Championships, yes, and had to withdraw with injury. And I would much rather be Emil Smith Rowe than Fabio Vieira right now, coming off that trophy win and with that competitive game time under his belt. I think it, it's such a regret that Vieira didn't get to go because mm. um, it, it once again especially now that he's been carrying injury I mean I don't know what his status is right now but you fear that he could once more go into a pre-season on the back foot yeah because he arrived injured last time he arrived around. injured last summer um I think he had a minor fracture so which was a significant injury to be honest um, I think it was a bit downplayed because Arsenal didn't want. They didn't want to Kim Kallstrom him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just get the napkins out. You know, if the Havertz napkin is do Xhaka but better, um, the Vieira napkin has got to be be a bit more Odegaard. Mm. Something like that. I don't know. I, um, I think, uh, you know, did you say he scored two goals, six assists? Yeah. I think he's he should be scoring more goals than that. And I think he had opportunities to score more goals than that. Um, he is a really decent finisher who takes up good positions. 
I think his goal scoring potential is is maybe one of the most exciting aspects of the player. So mm. I'd be looking for a more tangible return in terms of goals next season. I think back to last season and the game that stands out to me, actually maybe even more so than the Brentford one, is Wolves away when Granite Shaka had to go off quite early with mm. uh, a dicky tummy, I think it was. And Vieira um, came on and sort of struggled initially but over the course of the game, sort of found his feet and I think produced an assist by getting to the left touch line and cutting the ball back, um, maybe for Martin Odegaard. And yeah, I just felt like it was one of the moments in the season that I thought could be a turning point for him. There were a few. Yeah. Unfortunately, none of them really, you know, he didn't quite catch light as I'd hoped. No, no, no. I think I think there's there's definitely more to come from a player who cost a, a pretty decent fee, in fairness, was yep. whatever, 35 million. So we have not seen the best of him yet. And hopefully, you know, a proper preseason um, will be really beneficial to him. Um, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to have players like him impact games from the bench more than we needed to last season, I think. Particularly in Europe, you know, in the Champions League, there are going to be minutes. There are going to be opportunities. So I, I do hope he can, he can uh, take a step forward this season. So, mm. is it my question? It is. It is my question. Okay. Uh, well, it hasn't happened yet, but we're still waiting. Um, Dahlgren on the Discord said, "How important do you think the signing of Rice was in regard to keeping Arteta believing in his backing from the Arsenal?" Hierarchy, having missed out on Mudrik, Caicedo, etc. Do you think failing to sign Rice could have been pivotal in changing Arteta's mind on whether he could achieve his managerial dreams here? Uh, I think I might say yes to that, mm. actually. I think it was so important to Arteta. He's been hugely involved, um, pushing on kind of every end of the deal. And I do think one of Arteta and Edu's best attributes is that they seem to be able to present quite compelling cases to the board for why they should spend money. Mm -hmm. um, they've earned that trust, perhaps. Um, but I think had Arsenal missed out on Rice, there weren't a huge amount of alternatives under strong consideration. And I think we would have had a pretty disgruntled manager on our hands. Mm. So I don't doubt that um, Arteta's conviction and potential unhappiness was a factor in Arsenal pushing the boat out in order to mm. win this battle and, and do this deal. But I, don't, I think that's, I think that's sort of uh, what you want from your manager is to agitate and push and implore the club to kind of stretch the sort of scale of their ambition. Mm. And I think it's something Arteta's done since day one, kind of in every respect of his job. And and satisfyingly, I think the club in turn have, have kind of responded to that. I think they've sort of almost egged each other on to this point and it's been really positive. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, managers push for players all the time. 
But you know, mm. this is a this is a push for a player that Arteta believes can take the team to a different level, to a new level. One of the deals that we had to nail this summer, this was absolutely one of those deals because, you know, there was obviously a, a fair amount of um, behind-the-scenes work done on this one, and I'm sure some of it was done by Mikel Arteta himself. So you would much rather a manager is pushing for a player that he believes 100% can take the team to a different level, to a better level, to play you know, more effectively, more consistently than, you know, a manager who's pushing for you to sign a player because, you know, it's connected to an agent mate or something like that, which happens a lot. So I think this is just a really positive, as you say, a really positive way of of um, building your squad and, and trying to improve. Like if the motivation of the, the manager is purely about how you make this team and this club better – and you trust him in that, then it becomes easy to to sort of push a little bit harder as a club yourself. Yeah, and I just don't think it's possible to overemphasise how key to our summer plans Rice was and is. Like, you know, we all know Edu's got the whiteboard up in his office with the sort of positional depth uh, diagram. And in a sort of figurative and literal sense, Declan Rice is bang in the middle of that. And I think almost everything else we're doing is related in some way to having this player at the heart of our team. So to not get him would have been very costly. And I think if it, if it meant that Arsenal had to put in an extra 10 million than they were planning, I think they were prepared to do that to give Arteta what he wanted. Mm, very interesting. Very interesting. Um... Here you go. I think this is interesting. RJ McCready, who's at Wayland Utini on Twitter. Goodly morning, gents. It's been 21 years since the club last changed its badge. Since we are now in a new era, is it time for a refresh? And what might you like to see in a new design? Well, I mean, obviously, what's the Latin for let's do this? <laughs> I <don't>... Good question. <laughs> we do have some Latin scholars who listen to this, I believe. Uh, I remember getting an email in the past before. I apologize. I can't remember the name, but... Quod uh... faciamus, apparently. Oh, yeah? You just the new Google motto. Translate. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine um, that's what people did back in the day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't really... How do I put this? Care? Not that I don't care. Because you can make a balls of a badge. You know? Yeah. But it wouldn't be like high on my list of, of priorities. Um, I do like the sort of the canon on its own kind of vibe with that, you know? Without the sort of clip art badge bit around it, you know? Yes, I do feel that the the new badge, as we might call it, um, maybe is starting to look a little bit dated. Mm. Um, it was very of that era. And uh, obviously there are all sorts of complicated legal reasons that Arsenal had to change their badge in order to better protect their identity. Mm. Um, but I do like that they have shown more flexibility with it in recent years. Like we've seen kits, for example, with just the cannon on. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's great. Um, if it was up to me, 
maybe we would move towards doing that more regularly, just using the, the cannon mm-hmm. as the symbol. But I understand that, you know, that sort of thing, it probably costs a lot of money to try and protect it, maybe impossible. Um, and also we've just redesigned the exterior of the stadium in a way that I think incorporates the current badge. That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. So my best guess would be it's here for at least another decade. Um, but I hope we can, yeah, continue to sort of use the cannon in the branding because I just think it is much cooler and feels much more sort of authentically Arsenal. Yeah, I really um, liked Nottingham Forest's kit at the start of last season because they ah. just had the sort of... What is their badge? Is it trees or something? It's a forest, isn't it? It's a tree, I think, yeah. Um, And they didn't have a shirt sponsor. And they just had the the tree with the lines and what have you on the shirt. And it looked really nice, really simple. Shirts are a bit cluttered these days, aren't they? With sponsors and badges and all kinds. But that's the way of the world. Chelsea. Chelsea launched their new kit this morning. And it's kind of a retro... 90s style wow the 90s is retro now and (laughs) um they don't have a club shirt sponsor uh you may have read about this they no there was there was a gambling company i think they wanted to work with um it turns out they don't exist and they only take uh, (laughs) cryptocurrency that they then funnel into uh, a fund which supports terrorism somewhere i don't know something like that let's have a look um the West London side have been in talks with gambling firm Stake, who also have deals with Everton and Watford, but fans were vocal in their opposition to the potential deal and nothing was agreed upon. Would you believe it? Chelsea fans doing the right thing. Um, Chelsea previously had agreed a, U- a deal with US streaming service Paramount, but that was rejected by the Premier League due to concerns it could cause problem with the league's broadcast partners. So it's a bit of a saga, this the Chelsea mm. shirt sponsor. But I believe, as a consequence, they are releasing their replica kit um, without uh, a sponsor on it. And there is even talk that that may be how it's sold for the remainder of the season, if they, even if they do eventually find um, a shirt sponsor. They've certainly launched it without a sponsor. You know what? This is the perfect opportunity for the world's leading invisible ink companies to to get on board with this. Is it there? Is it not? Who can tell? True. True. Um, but yeah, that would be cool, I guess. Like a, a version of kits that didn't have quite as much mm. sponsorship emblazoned on it. Although doubtless you'd be made to pay more for it. Um, yeah. And then you'd find out it was manufactured wrong anyway. God, what a mess. Um, (laughs) Here's a question from M. Shepard, who's at Mark Arsenal. He said, where is the line between he's an asset who offers versatility and he needs to decide where he plays best? Arteta values Timber highly because he can play in multiple positions, ditto Tomiyasu, yet Maitland-Niles got criticised for not nailing down one position. I think this is also known as the Oxlade-Chamberlain protocol. Sure. Did he get criticised for not nailing down a position? I don't think that's necessarily true. I, I think the criticism was 
his reluctance to embrace his versatility and certain positions, mm -hmm. you know? Sure. I think actually, like, there's huge value in a player. Like, I, I don't feel like we're saying about Tomiyasu, he needs to decide if he's a right back or a left back. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, we yeah. think he's good and he's happy to do it all. Mm -hmm. um, I, I basically think if you're not playing well in any position, then the accusation will be leveled that maybe you should stick to one. But if you've got a player who genuinely is versatile and is performing, mm. I don't think that's a problem. I think that's a very good distinction. Yeah. An excellent I mean, distinction. Yeah. I, I, I don't worry about that thing of players playing multiple positions. And I don't think Mikel Arteta hugely does either, um, given the way he's used the likes of Trossard or Tomiyasu or Kivior. Mm. You know, I think he believes in versatility as an asset. Um and I, I just think it's about if players perform, ultimately. I saw Ainsley Maitland-Niles link this week with a move to Saudi Arabia. Um, really? I, mean, I, I guess that would be lucrative for him, but... He's only, what, yeah. 25? I know. But, you know, maybe mm. he's going to make a lot, a lot of money. A we lot see. of money. Yeah, could do. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, he's, you know, we spoke about Bamiang earlier. He's another one I'll always look at and think he could have had quite a different career. But uh, he has left on pretty good terms with the club, from from what I understand. Um, well, Ryan Cameron, we spoke about turnover, change. Ryan Cameron says, "Morning, guys. Are you worried about the significant upheaval this summer causing a lack of cohesion come next season?" Senior staff members moving on, the dressing room leader in Shaka departing, and other senior players potentially next. Is this being overlooked? Mm. I don't worry too much, to be honest. I think change is important, you know, to change the dynamic of a team, the dy dynamic of a dressing room. Um, I guess it just depends how well you replace the players that are leaving or the people that are leaving. You know, I think we've had the conversation before about Xhaka as a, a big personality in the dressing room that maybe somebody like that, I'm not saying this to be critical in any way, but somebody like that maybe inhibits other people from developing their own leadership skills and personalities within the dressing room because that mm -hmm. person is there and so well-established, you know, it's very difficult. So it allows personal development, you know, on, on the pitch, we're looking at, um, we're looking at Kai Havertz coming in and doing what, what Shaka did, but better. Uh, so we have that, you know, that bit covered. We'll wait and see what happens in terms of, uh, a replacement for Steve round. If there is going to be a replacement for Steve round, you know, is there going to be another experienced coach added or is there going to be a promotion and a younger coach brought in or is there, you know, some progression from um, from inside the club. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. And then when you maybe reference some of the other senior players, I'm guessing we're talking about like Rob Holding, Kieran Tierney, guys who could potentially be uh, departures during this transfer window. I don't really worry too much about that because 
you know, the, the team is developing, it's maturing, it's going in a, in a direction that is going to leave some, some people behind. So I think that's, that's just natural, really. So I don't think too much happens at Arsenal these days by accident, you know? No. I think there's a lot of thought, a lot of strategy behind the scenes about how you maintain the trajectory. You don't do anything that's going to destabilize the club in a significant way. There are obviously things that could happen that are out of your control, that are out of your hands, whether it's a big bid for one of your players or somebody becomes unsettled or something you know strange happens, whatever it might be. But those are things you just try and deal with as best you can. But as for planning and you know squad building and things like that, I think it's all pretty much... Now, there's a bit of wiggle room here and there, but I think a lot of it is is pretty well planned out. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Basically, I think that um, people like Shaka and Steve Round have been a really important part of the London Colney culture. But I think there's every possibility that others will step up and fill that gap. Mm. I think Churn is part of any elite sporting culture. I think that kind of constant refinement and sharpening um, is necessary, is necessary. And I think we'll see other top clubs like Man City going through some of that this summer too. Mm. You know, I've, I, I saw one of Pep's most trusted assistants. Um, I forget his name uh, right now, but the guy's been with him for years and years has left this summer. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan, uh, has gone to Barcelona. There's talk that Carl Walker and uh, Bernardo Silva could potentially leave. Mm. That is just, and I don't think it's coincidence. You know, they've had a brilliant season, and um, that the evolution never stops. You know, you, yeah. you have to keep moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to see what who that assistant. Uh, was Rodolfo Burrell that's it yeah he's he's gone who's you know really very very close to Pep so um, so close so close. so so close <laughs> um so yeah that's just what happens at the top end of sport and I think we probably have to yeah get used to it exactly exactly it's you know change is weird and scary but it's also uh can be really really positive as well let me ask you this one uh comes from john larkin on the discord who says goodly morning gents how do you think the team will cope next season with the increase in expectations we've uh been taken as underdogs or we have taken being underdogs in our stride over the last two years do you think the team will also be able to take being considered title challengers from the get-go it's an interesting question because yeah. it's arguably been in the latter periods of those seasons when the expectations have been sort of more squarely on us that we have faltered mm. um so i have to be honest and say i, I i'm a little concerned that about how we'll cope with that uh, level of expectation i think as well tim stillman wrote a very good column i think it was for ask blog about this um saying that he sort of feels like there might be a different feeling at the emirates stadium 
next season. The, the level of expectation among us as supporters mm. has been raised and that will bring with it different pressures and maybe a slightly different quality to the atmosphere. Um, I hope not because it's been amazing of late, but I think it's sort of inevitable. And when we spend the kind of money that we're spending, that, you know, the, the eyes of football media, other clubs are going to be on us. Uh, you know, we, we can't really profess to be underdogs no. in any real sense at this point in time. When you've broken the British transfer record for a, a British player, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, I accept that to an extent everyone is an underdog against Man City, mm-hmm. but beyond that... Um, you know, we, I don't think we can say that really in the context of the Premier League at this point in time. So, yeah, I think that will bring about a, a change in expectation levels. And I hope that our players, having been through that experience almost twice before, of slightly wilting um, in a highly pressurised situation, I hope that they are have learned from that. I hope they are collectively arriving at a point of maturity to cope with it, to deal with it. And I hope that the scars that they have suffered, and I don't doubt there are some deep scars. If you listen to Martin Odegaard talk about not winning the title last season, I think Mm. it's very clear it pains him and the other players. I hope they can be used to kind of generate uh, more motivation because that is the sort of one remaining test for Arsenal. Can they stick the landing, essentially? Yeah. And that's the most difficult bit I suspect you know uh, but it's what we've not done so far yeah I mean it's just just the trajectory that you're on this is what you're going to have to deal with mm-hmm. you know I'm absolutely fascinated to see how we go next season because you're right you know we've come from a sort of rock bottom you know as a football club we hit a kind of a rock bottom and we stabilized and we got good and everyone's excited and, and all the rest. But we've also got to where we are by spending a lot of money on very good football players. And having done what we did last season, there is going to be expectation. We want to do, we want to do the same. We want to do better. Um, but also... Maybe people, I'm not saying people didn't take Arsenal seriously before, but maybe we're going to have to deal with teams that are a bit more out to stop us next season. You know, that are going to set up in a way that's difficult for us to break down. We're going to have to have the kind of tactical variety that that the big teams need in order to to win the games. And I think it's going to be a very competitive Premier League again next season because a lot of money is going to be spent. There's some good managers in there. Um you know, if we were something of, I don't think we were a surprise package per se, but I don't think anybody really expected Arsenal to challenge for the title in the way we did last season. No. So, I mean, this is it. I mean, this is why he has basically cultivated a squad of of players who are no older than 26 bar, you know, a couple of, uh, couple of outliers. You know, Jorginho, Elneny, um, Partey. Partey. Beyond that, uh, Trossard. But beyond that, you know, every every player at this football club is between 21 and 26 years of age. Mm. And I think that's deliberate because you need to grow and you need to develop. 
Um, and you need to sort of raise the level of each player year on year in order to to keep that trajectory going. So it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how we cope with that. You know? Yes. It's, it's such a... To win the Premier League now just requires such unrelenting consistency. It is a, a mammoth task. Mm. And I'm fascinated to see how Arteta and this squad tackle that next mm. season. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, what about this? Fabio Vieira, we've done. The badge, we've done. Oh, Cohesion, we've done. I've got to go to my other fold. Fold, fold, folder is what I meant to say. You do, um, do you have a foal standing beside I have beside a foal you? who passes me all the questions. You just write questions on the side of a foal. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about this? Greg Just Ham, another, another worried listener. Goodly morning. In a summer where everything seems so positive, I woke up today worried about 2025 when all our amazing young players have only two years left. Have either of you had any strange and irrational negative thoughts when everything seems so good? Isn't that just the way of it? You know, everything's good. So you're waiting for the hammer to fall in some way. So much so that you're willing to time travel two years into the future to fret about something that won't happen for 24 months. (laughs) You know, I I think that's just the way of the football fan, you know, Talk to me in 2025 when we're sitting here, hopefully talking about, you know, uh, Bakayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, William Saliba, Premier League title winning players, Champions League winning players. How are we going to keep them? Oh, that's a discussion I'd be very happy to have, to be honest. Um, but, you know, having just having just signed these guys up, I'm not really in the mindset of looking too far forward into the future so I can get scared about something that isn't going to happen for ages. Mm-hmm. You know? Any grievances about Saliba's contract being four years? Same as Bukai Saka, wasn't it? Um, grievances? No. I mean, look, like most people, I, I had a little bit of a worry that he wasn't going to sign or that he wouldn't sign or that he might be tempted somewhere else. So he signed. What the fuck am I going to get angry or worried about? Like, I know there's always, you know, this, um, if the club can add on a plus one to a contract, it's good for them. But when you've just signed the best young center half in Europe, along with the best right winger, young right winger in Europe, along with the best young left winger in Europe, along with a very good goalkeeper, a very, very good center half, you know, it's a bit of a stretch to be complaining about the duration of a deal. For me, anyway, I think this is just the reality of of what you're dealing with when you're dealing with uh, top talent, that yeah. there is a, an element of compromise on, on both sides when it comes to signing a new deal. And if those players progress, as we expect, in the next two years, the likelihood is you would have to be sitting down with them at that point anyway. Exactly. Um, so I, I don't worry too much about that. I, I'm very excited for this next two years and I don't want to wish it away. That's, so, that's kind of where I am, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, ask us again in 2025. <laughs> uh, I like this one from Ammo Gunner. Who looks after Win the Dog at Colney? Does she live there or some, or does someone take her home? I have this vision of her roaming the pitches at night, chasing rabbits, doing what dogs do, thinking, les poodies, while the groundsmen clear up the next day. 
It's a good question. I don't know the answer. I think she goes home with somebody at the end of the day. Surely. Yeah. Um, I, 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 sorry, I do know that. I don't know who she goes home with. Maybe it's like at school. Did you have a thing at school where um, you'd have a class pet? Were you aware? You I'm aware of that as a concept, but it was never something that I... Like, I didn't get the class gerbil or hamster right. or whatever. I never did. I think that's for the best, to be honest. It seems to me to be um, uh, something that doesn't <laughs> have the ask, the animal's um, best interests at heart, necessarily. I think what, what it's obviously to sort of teach children how to care for an animal and be responsible for another living thing. But, you know, if you're seven... A lot of these difficult. hamsters... You know, I don't know what the lifespan is of a class hamster, but I imagine it's not great. Um, I don't know either. But uh, yes, I, I think Win. I don't think she. I don't think Win is working full time at the training ground. I think you know they clock off and go home at the end of the day. Some very wholesome hashtag content over the weekend, of course, with uh, Gabrielle Martinelli, uh, Kai Havertz as well. Kai Havertz has got a lot of dogs. He's got four dogs, all in Arsenal kit. Yeah. And a German Shepherd, so I think uh, it's, it actually makes a ton of sense a, a training ground dog, doesn't it? I mean, you see the joy that dogs can bring people, um, and it must just be such a lift for them to have that sort of bouncy presence around Colney. I was in a pub at the weekend on Friday night, and there were all kinds of dogs. There was a spaniel. Uh, there was a little Dachshund, there was a French bulldog mix of some kind, and there was a little Bichon Frise called Gizmo, who just oh. ran around and would very occasionally just jump up on the, the, the seat beside me, look for a few scratches, and then would go off about the pub looking for scratches from other people. It was brilliant. More That's workplaces awesome. should have dogs. That's what I think. I completely agree. Uh, maybe maybe win is the first of many. Who knows? Who knows? The Arsenal maybe eventually there'll be pack. a kind of training ground, first team versus dogs friendly game. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, now I'd pay to watch that. Hundred uh, percent. I'd pay my pre-season subscription or whatever it is they're asking for from us for that. Yeah. Let me do a couple of quick ones then to finish. Cartoon Steve Bold says, further to the Nick Ames piece Andrew mentioned this morning, uh, it's a piece by Nick in the blog, uh, or no, the, uh, Nick's piece is in The Guardian, but I referenced it I've seen, on I've the seen. blog. He says, does the club being open to selling at least one of Eddie and Foller and Balagoon suggest that Arteta is happy with Jesus, Trossard and Havertz up front, or would selling both mean a striker arriving? I think if we sold both, we'd probably get somebody in. Hmm. Whether or not it was a pure number nine or someone who, you know, was kind of multifunctional, versatile forward, someone who needs to decide what goddamn position they play, um, I don't know. But I don't think that will happen. I don't think we'll sell both. I'm just not sure which one's the market for both. Um, so I think one will end up staying. But mm. uh, and I think it'll probably be Eddie. But I think if we were to bring in a striker, it would probably need both to go. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah. Um, I do think the the financial aspects of a potential Balagoon sale tip the likelihood in his direction. Yeah, and also his personal position of sort of seemingly being fairly determined to go um, and to be a starter somewhere 
which you know mm. you've got to respect. Um, so I, I still think that's what will happen. But it wouldn't surprise me if we kept him around for America and. I believe he is going on the American tour, and I believe there is going to be you know with the with the mind of you know seeing how he performs, how he trains, how he plays, what the commitment levels are like before a decision is well and truly made there. Um, I mean, listen, look at Saliba signing a new four-year contract. There was a time where not many people would have put much money on that. Um, I think we have learned about Mikel Arteta that the door is always open if you're prepared to sort of make the right concessions and show the right attributes. Mm. And there is talent there with Balogun. So I, I wouldn't say anything is a certainty but if i had to wager at this point in time i would say that he would be the one to go all right uh last one from david mcnamara at dvd mcn he said how do you think a Mikel arteta pitch to a new player goes if it helps feel free to role play the conversation andrew as an irishman you can be declan rice and james can be Mikel. okay i'm so i'm Mikel. you're Mikel. Uh, and let's say, hypothetically, where are we meeting? Uh, Costa Coffee. Of course. Because, you know, you get a little kickback. It's coffee done a little better. Costa Coffee. Um, so <laughs> I I will... Okay, I'll meet you in the Costa Coffee. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, I won't do the accent because no. it's offensive. Declan, hello. How are you, Mikkel? Uh, I mean, all right. <laughs> Make your mind up. Um, might I say how well you're looking? Thank you. I, li you. I like your hair. You too. You have very excellent hair as well. It, it reminds Enough me of Enough small talk, Declan. I see you. My tummy is rumbling and I want only one thing. Rice, rice, baby. And lots of it. Yeah. So what do you say? I like you what you're cooking. Nice rice. Twice as nice rice is me. Okay. Now, um, I want you to come and play in okay. midfield. Okay. From, huh? Okay. No, but I haven't even talked. Yeah, about yeah. Him. No, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. But hang on, Man City are going to call you, and they might want you to go there. But Pep is a weird, scary monk who lives in a sarcophagus, I don't want any part of that. You're a wise head on young shoulders, Declan. And you've got a dog at the training ground, so that's that, that's the yeah. swinger. Well, I was, I was going I was, I was to bring that up about the dog. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. Do you have any questions for me? Uh, what, what are the wages like? Any good? Very good, yeah. Okay. Very, very good. You basically, we give you like several hundred thousand pounds a week, um, which is obviously like a ludicrous amount of money. Sure. And then if like you win a thing, if like you win a Premier League or something, we give you even more money. So financially, it's really good. And also on Fridays, um, we have like a bowl of jelly babies in the changing room at the training ground. And you can like take, I'd say up to four, of those jelly babies, and that's completely gratis. That's free of charge. Wow! Can I, I get what you have just at West Ham. just the black, just the black jelly babies? Would that be? 
Um, that's actually in William Saliba's contract that he 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 likes the black one, so he gets those ones. Okay, but the rest they are fair game. Um, do with them as you well eat them. You yeah, eat I mean them. that seems it seems much better. At West Ham, there's just one curly whirly, and we all have to lick it at the same time. Yeah, I've heard about that. Mm. I heard there was like an incident where uh, what's the guy up front? Antonio, Michael Antonio, Michael Antonio, and um. The Croatian right back, um, Sufal. Sufal, they were like eating each end of the curly whirly simultaneously, and it sort of ended in like a weird, like curly whirly kiss. And like they, it's fine, but like they don't really talk about it. Like they haven't looked each other in the eye since, essentially. Yeah, the lady in the tramp moment. It was a lady in the tramp moment, yeah. yeah. Well, look, I heard that you. That was one of the reasons, actually, you felt uncomfortable about the tension between them, and that's partly why you want out. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's, I mean, that's the main reason. I'm glad we've we've sorted this out. Well, as I say, the jelly babies, you could just take one, pop it in your mouth, and n- listen, there's no accidental kissing happening. Okay. Deal? Deal. Deal. And that's how it goes. Who's paying for the coffee? Uh, weirdly, they've been gifted to us by James McNicholas, uh, the <laughs> athletics James McNicholas. He's got some sort of commercial tie-in with Costa Coffee. He's got um, a he's got a Costa Coffee gold card. Yeah, so amazing. Thank you to him for that. All right. Well, that's how I, the deals I, happen. Just like that. That's how they happen. You know, I'm surprised you haven't done a YouTube video on that one yet. Yeah. Do you know what? Some stuff is too sensitive for YouTube. Do you know that's, what I mean? That's fair. I don't want the, I don't want the aggregators get into that. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we will wait and see what happens this week and when it happens. Uh, at the very least, there's going to be a game of football on Thursday. So, um, Wow. Imagine yeah. that. I know. I know. It's been then- quite nice, hasn't it? Like, a, you know, with the exception, obviously, the under-21 Euros, no tournament this summer, yeah. no big tournament, no big boys tournament. I actually feel sort of ready for the football to come back. Well, here, actually, before we go, we have a... Let me see if I can find this question. From Adesia Salso, who's at Adam Salter 4, who says, will either of you be watching the World Cup this summer and supporting the Republic of Ireland with Arsenal's Katie McCabe captaining the side or England with Arsenal's Lotto Wubamoy and Alessia Russo? So the World Cup is happening in Australia. You're right. I, I, I misspoke. I should have said without a major men's uh, tournament. But I am excited for the Women's World Cup. Mm. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially with our new star signing playing up front for England. So uh, I will be checking that out. The games are on like in the morning, aren't they, as well? I love that. I love a, a morning a morning tournament. tournament. Yeah, some morning football is always is always good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Katie did a very good interview with uh, Ken Early uh, on Second Captains. I think it's just on their Patreon, but uh, uh, it's a really good interview. She comes across very, very well. Talks about, obviously, Ireland, but talks about her her season at Arsenal and uh, what's going on there. So well worth checking out if you're a a Patreon subscriber to Second Captains. So, um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. And obviously, Tim, I'm sure we'll have plenty of coverage of uh, the Arsenal players involved uh, at the World Cup as well over the course of the summer. So so there we go. Right, we better leave it there. Uh, thank you very much indeed, as always, for being with us. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.